transition to our the next component of our program um, in the same way um, that crypto has a has a tendency to kind of split the crowd um, and uh, invoke you know conversation around um, you know some pretty interesting geopolitical issues. Uh, the same can be said of um, of uh, notions like uh, Germany's dependence on on Russian gas, and so that is a uh, a convenient demarcation for where we're going next. Um, I'd like to hand it over to Michael Spath to to introduce um, our next uh, guest, Karsten Schmetting uh, from Senko Hydrogen, and uh, uh, a great conversation about how hydrogen will be an important fuel source going forward. Um, hi there, Jim, could you uh, allow me to, uh, sorry, um, to share the presentation? Sorry for that, Michael. Okay. Uh, thanks a lot, for Jim, for introducing uh, the topic now. Um, I'll actually give you a little bit broader sense. It's on not only a German topic, Castle will come later on to this topic. I uh, spent last week uh, in Singapore and uh, we had a lot of discussions also on the Asian uh, part, uh, that uh, green energy is one of the most important topics we will have in the future time. So there are different solutions, and uh, we had uh, in Germany, especially, we have uh, to cover some specific issue, issues uh, which are based on gas. But uh, hydrogen is uh, definitely uh, which is coming up as a new storage of green energy in the future time, which is uh, will become more and more important especially the Asian uh, um, people uh, we had on the discussions have a different view on uh, what's going on, but they are very in favor to see what's coming up uh, from uh, the green energy part. And for, uh, for that reason, uh, Mark and I decided that we also uh, will use this as an opportunity to introduce a little bit of the hydrogen uh, coverage and everything what's going on in this sector to that one. Uh, Senko Hydrogen is a, it's a fund um, we are supporting from the 361 European part, uh, and we'd like to share some of the uh, topics uh, Carsten and uh, Marcel are facing at the moment in the market, and how do they like to build up their fund uh, in the future time. Uh, they will also participate uh, next week on the, the uh, first day meeting. Uh, in New York. So if someone might get a deeper uh, discussion with them, take the time. Uh, this is the first intro and I'd like to hand over to Carsten and uh, to Marcel uh, to give you an inside view of what's going on on uh, the hydrogen market and how uh, Senko Hydrogen is set up. Super, so, thank you, Michael. Carsten, uh, uh, can you- uh, Presentation. Can you, can you- Presentation is coming soon.
Yeah, hello everybody. I uh, maybe maybe there was no sound today. Uh, I hope you can hear me. Uh, uh, pleasure being with you today. I'm Kirsten, the CEO of Senko. Uh, and and as, as Michael said, we are a private equity firm based in in Europe, investing in hydrogen-related companies. Um, Mark and, and Michael asked me to share some thoughts with you on what we think about the hydrogen market, uh, its development, uh, and opportunities for investors. So thanks very much, Mark, Michael, and the 360 firm team for having me here today. Um, and you may have recognized that everybody talks about hydrogen these days. And, and you might wonder why, why is this? And let me, let me spoiler something. Hydrogen is the game changer for the global energy system and a tr trillion dollar business. And it will become real very soon. So. Why is hydrogen relevant? Hydrogen is a gas, and it's the first element in the periodic system of elements, and it can be used for various purposes. It's very versatile. First of all, gray hydrogen is already today one of the most widely used feedstock in the world, e.g. for the production of fertilizers, chemical products, plastics, etc. So today, 125 million tons of so-called gray hydrogen have been used in 2021, causing more than a billion tons of CO2 emissions. So maybe a quick sidestep here. So-called gray hydrogen is produced from fossil gas or natural gas by steam cracking. So it's not at all sustainable. Green hydrogen is produced by using water and green electricity from wind, solar, etc. This process is called electrolysis and is completely carbon-free. So uh, it's important to, to bear in mind that gray and green hydrogen is the same chemical molecule. So no difference for the users in the production uh, for the users at all. It's just a difference in the production method of the hydrogen itself. So replacing the green, the gray hydrogen, which is widely used today by green hydrogen, is a huge and easy chance to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Secondly, hydrogen makes green electricity storable and global, globally transportable, which is very important for the energy transition. So if you convert the green electricity, which is produced somewhere on the globe, to hydrogen and then transport the hydrogen around the globe. You can store it in big quantities, e.g. in caverns, et cetera. So you can, you can really store and transport electricity, which as we all know today is, is not really uh, handleable. And, and, and Europe today imports most of its energy and it will do so tomorrow. Uh, today, as we all know, it's, it's mostly oil and gas. Uh, tomorrow, it will be electricity from renewable sources. Generated in countries with plenty of space, strong wind, and or a lot of sun. So definitely not Western Europe in most of its parts. Transformed to hydrogen and transported as hydrogen or its derivatives via tanker or pipeline to Europe. So it could be produced in the US, could be produced in the Middle East, 
or in other places where it's space and sun or wind. And then you can transport it via tanker to Europe and, and use it here. So that's that's the storage and transportation of electricity. So the very, very important use case. Um, beside of the feedstock case uh, I mentioned before. So hydrogen enables a secure and more independent energy supply for Europe, predominantly here in this way, as more production countries come into play. So experts see hydrogen as a long-term megatrend, which will change the energy system of the world. So this map shows how everything comes together via hydrogen as a key element of the future energy system. Hydrogen will affect nearly every aspect of eco our economy and, and of our future lives. So, so as said before, you can generate the energy, be it offshore wind or solar, you can transport the energy short distance to an electrolyzer station, produce hydrogen there, and then, then the hydrogen can be used in, in various cases, as said, in chemical industry, in general industry, fertilizer industry. Uh, it can be, can be used in your household to replace your gas heating, or as said before, it could be shipped and, and stored uh, in caverns. So multiple options to, to use that element. So what are the main market drivers? First of all, it's, it's clearly the decarbonization needs. So to reduce CO2 emissions. Secondly, the changing order of the energy markets. And, and we've all faced that very, very intensively in this year. And, and absolutely not to underestimate significant governmental programs. Hydrogen today is already backed by over 30 industrial nations. And, and on this slide, we have summarized some, some more relevant players. And, and national hydrogen strategies have led to accelerating supporting programs like H2 Global in Europe, Red 2, or recently like the Inflation Reduction Act in the USA. Canada is pushing a program. And, and so more programs are giving a perspective how relevant all these states rank hydrogen for their economic future. So the hydrogen industry has, has clearly reached a point of no return. And uh, we and many research organizations believe the hydrogen century has started and the market is going to grow for many decades. Like, like oil did during the last over 100 years. So in this way, hydrogen is the oil of the future. So, so how's, how's the market developing and, and where is it? Hydrogen grows globally, uh, but, but at this point in time, Europe is the right spot to capture opportunities as, as most of, of the relevant projects are, are in progress here. Uh, so so it's, it's over 50% at this point in time. Based on McKinsey's recent study on the hydrogen market, currently $240 billion of infrastructure investments are targeted until 2030. So huge numbers. 
and then we are facing a massive boom. So it's it's uh, 650 times the electrolyzer capacity, so the production unit, so to say, capacity until 2030 is expected, and, and that's that's a Goldman figure, and and they also predicted 35% KGA market growth. Um, and, and they just recently stated on CNBC that they expect a trillion dollar market to come. So there is, is really significant growth to come. So, so let, me, let me quickly get into production costs here. Green hydrogen is at this time point in time getting, getting much faster advantageous as, as it was expected short time ago. So I brought you a slide here, which is it, which is actually uh, short short before Ukraine crisis, European energy crisis. Uh, the predictions here have been like coming down to to relevant low at 2030. Um, green hydrogen today is obviously more expensive than gray hydrogen, and and uh, so so a dollar fifty per kilo versus $5.50 per kilo for green hydrogen. Um, but costs are coming down very quickly due to strong scale up of production capacities, as I just said before, the, the big super relevant scale up at this point in time really brings all the cost drivers down. And, and as said, this, this has been accelerated now dramatically since the beginning of the year. So capacities are, are really pushed and that brings costs uh, faster down than, than expected. So in the small chart, and then this is just, I mean, we all know that uh, natural gas prices uh, came, came up dramatically and, and, but will come down again, but not to pre-crisis levels. Everybody's expecting higher new normals. And, and that obviously will, will drive the chart on the left to higher gray, hydrogen prices. So the 150 line you see in the chart on the, on the left will be a higher number due to higher natural gas prices. As I said before, the gray hydrogen is produced from, from natural gas. Um, the energy prices uh, are not coming as quickly up and, and they will not become as high as, as uh, comparatively at least, uh, as high as as the natural gas, so compared, the, the green hydrogen will be faster uh, in in a yeah in a relevant scale down on, on the cost side, as as uh, we expected like like twelve months ago. So that's that's very good, um, and and that means more more interesting opportunities. And for the time being, I mean, in between. Uh, government programs, the ones I mentioned before, uh, the the Inflation Reduction Act, and and the EU is planning planning something similar. Um, so so uh, this will this will make it more efficient. Sooner. So the hydrogen value chain for us. Uh, the universe is is we define it along the hydrogen value chain, uh, uh, starting with with generation, obviously. So 
the investment arena could be could be in all of this single elements and and compare similar to to oil and gas industry in a way uh, so it's generation of hydrogen and its derivatives like ammonia methanol synthetic fuels so if we talk about hydrogen we typically use that as a synonym for for the other power to x cases also um, as uh, that's that's kind of a summarizing word for it so so hydrogen and its derivatives uh, and, and the investment cases here could be production facilities connected to solar or wind fields. It could be especially in, in interesting locations to, to kind of get it shipped to Europe. Um, it could be businesses which make the build up of the facilities happen, developers of those or services um, or even producers of components kind of really to to build the electrolyzer or other other equipment you need for the production of any of the of the hydrogen or or derivatives so already plenty plenty of investment cases here some are closer to to infrastructure like most are in our perspective closer to to businesses which are medium-sized businesses which are producing the parts are the developers, the engineers, etc. So maybe, maybe, maybe I'll give you an example here, which, which drives us very much. As said before, uh, 650 times the electrolyzer capacity until 2030. This means that all the components and parts manufacturers have to grow the same way to make the ramp up happen. So it's it's absolutely necessary. If if the big players want to build their electrolyzers, they need all the value chain which kind of delivers the pre-products, the components, etc. So that are typical investment cases we see as, as very interesting. It's the technology, it's the, the medium-sized businesses producing producing relevant parts and pieces for that for that ramp up. So so the second in the, in the value chain is then obviously midstream distribution and storage. Um, again, to build up all the infrastructure, the terminals, ships, trucks, fueling stations, all of that which is needed to really make, make the universe kind of work um, needs plenty of technology providers and component manufacturers which which we believe are are very exciting investment opportunities and obviously the end use I, I covered some parts of that before like refineries chemistry industry uh, steel and and agriculture so whenever you need uh, fertilizers uh, and and produce those then then a relevant number of of hydrogen is involved in in that fertilizers and today as said from gray hydrogen and to reduce the carbon that you can just replace it with green hydrogen on the energy side it's it's the power regeneration so that's that's really like shipping the green energy via the carrier hydrogen uh, to europe and then regenerate from the hydrogen electricity again 
and and that means like the 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 not existence of wind and and enough solar energy in Europe can be replaced by U.S. solar energy. So that's that's practically the case. And importing it via the carrier, uh, which which is the the hydrogen, uh, which is a super ideal uh, carrier medium for electricity. Um, on the mobility side, it it a very early use case at least here in Europe and in parts of Asia will be buses and trucks. So so more the heavier side of the vehicles. It will be cars over time. So it's especially for longer distance use where electric cars have got their weaknesses. Uh, nobody wants to wait 20 minutes to get his car filled up. So, so for those cases, cars, obviously, uh, railway, so it's, it's, uh, and shipping, which is a really big thing. Uh, the global sh shipping industry is heavily looking, looking on, the, on, the, on this market. And 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 it's it's somewhat easy to replace it it in a in a tanker uh, in a in a yeah in a whatever cargo ship uh, and and use hydrogen or a derivative uh, synthetic fuel synthetic gas as as the power to drive it. So an aviation is a, is a little further down the road. It's not like tomorrow. Uh, it will take some time. Uh, but but aviation is is already kind of preparing heavily. Uh, Airbus and others are, are really kind of on the track, uh, spending a lot of F and E money to to really build uh, and and ramp their their fleets up for the future in the in the hydrogen. So yeah, that that's that's from our perspective what we feel could be could be use cases, and from our perspective will be investment cases. And, and so an exciting environment. Um, yeah, so, so why would you invest in hydrogen? And, and with the value chain, I, I tried to give you some examples uh, where we believe it's, it's kind of exciting to invest. Um, so our, mo most of the answer is given. Um, it's, it's, it's set for decades of strong growth. And it will be a trillion dollar market as, as most experts expect. And, and hydrogen combines attractive investment returns with active contribution to decarbonization. So it's 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 worth looking into it. So so who's Senko? Uh, maybe maybe just two words about us here. Uh, Senko, <laughs> at least the word means. Is, is Esperanto, and, and that's a universal language, and it means sense, as we believe making good investments in a fast-growing market while driving the decarbonization makes a lot of sense for us, and, and uh, that, that's our kind of main driver behind the story, capturing the megatrend, and we're, we're a team of 45 from from yeah as a sector focused firm kind of from various expertise backgrounds and and we are yeah we are we are we are really excited about the growth in the market and 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 want to want to capture the opportunities here for, for us so maybe maybe that that's as a kind of intro into the topic and and maybe there are questions and and I'm happy to to answer Questions if there are some. So 
from our side, many thanks first uh, to Carsten and Marcel for presenting this topic. Uh, I have the first question uh, regarding your funnel. Uh, probably you can tell us a little bit about uh, um, prospects uh, you have seen or, or you can invest now, uh, still when you have not a fund ready. Uh, that's true. <laughs> Uh, we, we do have an investment pipeline um, of a little over 200 companies we have pre-identified here in Europe. Um, that is mostly what I tried to outline before. Companies which are like developers, services, component manufacturers, uh, parts manufacturers for, for this value chain, which, which, I, which I kind of introduced just, just a minute ago. And, and that's predominantly Europe. We, we look at some kind of opportunities outside Europe. Uh, if we see it as strategic, like advantageous, but, but our core focus really is, is on European opportunities uh, coming, coming from technologies and, and services, et cetera. So, and, but you're right, uh, the, we, have, we don't have investment money at hand at this uh, point in time, um, but, but uh, we are kind of, 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 yeah, we are. We we believe uh, we will tackle some of these opportunities uh, very soon, and and we'll have some money ready to do so. Questions from others? Yes, <clears throat> Carson. Um, uh, Marcia, can you share, stop sharing? Two, sure. Two questions I have here. Can you hear me? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Two questions I have here. The um, in that value chain that you have, where is the where is the greatest opportunity in terms of short term cash revenue and return margin? Um, you mentioned that you have some two hundred companies in your pipeline already. Yes that you're mm -hmm. looking at. I'm assuming mm -hmm. these are, are potential, they're not fully vetted. And what I'm trying to, what, what I'd like to know is of that 200 in that pipeline, where are they on that value chain? Do they represent mm -hmm. the- Yeah, yeah okay, yeah, yeah, I got your point. Are they in the manufacturing side yeah. of hydrogen and parts? Where are they? Are they in the distribution? Where yeah. do you, so, so that gives me an idea as to where where you see the greatest mm -hmm. potential in terms of near-term cash generation? Yeah. No, that, that's a very good question. And thank you for that. Um, we, we see the biggest opportunities on the production end. So not being the producer ourselves, but, but selling the shovels and, and being and running the saloon, so to say, for the gold diggers. Um, so delivering parts and pieces to kind of build up the production facilities. So this could be membranes for electrolyzers. This yeah. could be compressors. So the, fir the first piece of ramp up uh, on the production side, obviously, is, is really kind of building, building electrolyzer facilities to produce the hydrogen. And as I said, 650 times the capacity uh, until 2030, that, that's uh, unbelievable growth. And, and as for every production unit, you definitely need electrolyzers. 
So all the parts and pieces which are needed to build the electrolyzer is, is a very is the early and exciting end of the market today. So, so we're we're talking with with some of the producers of the electrolyzers as a core component, and they all tell us the same thing. Oh, we're gonna ramp up our production facility, but we're gonna ramp, build a new gigafactory, we do blah blah blah. Uh, but but all these suppliers are medium-sized companies, and and for them it's not easy to kind of to kind of multiply their production facility or capacity uh, easily. They need equity to do so. As they can't go to their whatever uh, bank and say, okay, give me a big loan. Uh, they, they can do so, but the bank will say, uh, where's the equity against it? So, so to ramp up the production facilities for those, to kind of make that happen and to really kind of uh, support the growth of the core component and, and, and the, really the production infrastructure, you need the pizza and piece and parts. And that's from our perspective, one early end of the market, which is pretty good predictable from our view, um, as, as it's not working without those parts. Um, uh, second, on the, on the distribution side, will be things connected to the pipeline systems. Um, we're not investing, obviously, in pipeline systems. That's for the big guys, the infrastructure, long-term uh, guys. But but the all the components and pieces which are needed and used to build up that facilities. So that's the, the developer, the engineers who kind of construct the site, uh, make the layout, et cetera, et cetera. Then uh, in a second step, kind of the repurposing and retrofitting the pipeline systems, which are already there from natural gas, kind of bring that from natural gas into hydrogen. Uh, the in Germany, they're just kind of reconstructing a piece which is from uh, an LNG hub where, where US LNG comes in from, I believe, next month, uh, Wilhelmshaven. Um, that, that will be repurposed in about two years' time to hydrogen. So this will be the same pipeline, yes, generally, but the pipeline then needs to be retrofitted or reorganize a little bit, uh, different pressure. So and other pressurizing components, measurement, uh, so these type of yeah, technical uh, equipment around the uh, yeah, landing infrastructure, so to say, and the short-term distribution infrastructure to a storage. Uh, so so we, that- uh, we, are talking, we, are talk, we are talking here about deep tech, uh, uh, companies which are in that space and can develop these uh, these uh, further things and where you, where you like to go in and help them to to uh, go forward with that one. Um, yeah, for example, it could be could be somebody who's producing measure technologies for for the natural gas industry today, uh, and and it's not a very long jump, but a little jump to to produce a measure equipment for hydrogen and, and the derivatives. So they need to kind of adopt their products to the new market needs and then have to scale up the production facilities to really kind of, uh, this will be not one uh, measure facility for, it will be plenty along a pipeline. So these type of things. Um, uh, the, the end use is something we are looking, we are much, much higher at this point in time, as in some, some ends of the end use, it's not clear what, what will be the end route. Uh, for example, with cars, 
will really cars go with hydrogen? Will it be with a fuel cell? Will it be, or will it be methanol? Will it be another kind of synthetic fuel, maybe based on hydrogen, but not hydrogen itself? So as, as long as that's kind of not kind of giving a clearer route, I'm a little shy to invest in these arenas, uh, as, as that's for me at least a little too tricky uh, until I, I kind of have a better prediction how the market develops, uh, if it goes left or right. So I'm not a gambler on, on left or right here. Uh, I, I want to have more clarity on where's the market kind of driving to. And once there's more sight on that, um, on the on the long distance trucks, heavy heavy long distance trucks, uh, it it seems to get clearer that that hydrogen fuel cell trucks will be the way, uh, as well as synthetic gas. That are the two routes which seem to be the ones here in Europe, which will be the longer way. But and and for the shorter shorter near term trucks. It, it will be electricity. So a mixed piece, like, like today, there is there's diesel, there's gasoline, there is different fuels today. There will be different fuels tomorrow, but as long as it's unclear for us, is, is it a clear track where, where the development goes to? Obviously, the car producers first have to make their choice, uh, or the governments, <laughs> either or. Uh, and and once once the route is clear, we would start kind of looking deeper into investments. But but we would be shy at this point in time to do so. The same is and then maybe a last sample here where we are a little shy today. That's the private households. So you, uh, like today, a lot of heating systems in Europe are gas heatings, natural gas heatings. Um, if you want to replace those, it's for me unclear if if the route goes to hydrogen. And a fuel cell in in your house, or if it becomes electricity, or or whatever. So until that is kind of clearer, we would be shy on that role also. So clearly, the the, the production as well as distribution, uh, and and there is so much investment opportunities around those earlier stages of development uh, that that we're kind of not so extensively looking into the end use. So sorry Thank for you. the long answer. Thank you, Kurtzen. The the second question I had is regarding um, centralized versus decentralized production of hydrogen. Many, yeah. um, many manufacturing here in the U.S. I know that there is some some push and pull on that mm -hmm. as to where the market's going to go. So my question to you is, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and 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 absolutely right. Top question and and a big driver. Uh, and and we we have a clear view on that one. Um, uh, obviously, uh, as I tried to say before, I mean Western Europe is not the place with the most sun, unfortunately, uh, and also not with the most wind in the world. Uh, uh, additionally, we have, we don't have a lot of space here, so. Uh, all these three factors are not ideal for large-scale production units. So this is a little different in southern Spain, Portugal. There's more sun and wind and, and a little more space. But whatever, Germany, uh, Netherlands, France, limited wind, sun, and, and space. So for bigger units, 
it's it's more efficient to kind of have the advantageous, especially lower energy prices from from wind and solar in other regions in the world. Uh, as said, like Nevada or places, I mean, there's so much sun there. There's plenty of space, um, so it's it's super efficient to have big production facilities in those places. Could be Middle East in theory. Uh, some some threats to that. Uh, but but it could be Australia, so regions with a lot of sun or wind and plenty of space are ideal for for production in big quantities, as uh, one has to bear in mind. Sixty percent of the production costs are the electricity costs, and there are there are places in the world where at, at this point in time a little below a cent uh, production costs in the energy per kilowatt. So, so very low energy prices on renewable energy, and and the, it will definitely be advantageous to to use that low energy prices uh, as an input factor for your production. Uh, additionally, obviously, it's kind of advantageous if you are closer to a coastline, so you can have your your production facility produce a hydrogen and then ship it ship it with a tanker to to Europe. So inland, you would need yeah, transportation in between a pipeline or something. Uh, obviously, Nevada is not at the coast, as far as I know, so that it would need a pipeline uh, to, to transport the hydrogen to the coast and then ship it. So similar with the LNG, so to say. And and the smaller units are advantageous from our perspective, and, and I believe that's, that's generally the market view. If you've got critical processes, where it's absolutely necessary that the, that H2 is provided at all times. So you may want to have your own production facility on on the on the location on ground of your of your factory. Um, if if you really want to make sure that nothing goes wrong, uh, you produce your own hydrogen in a smaller scale. But then you you're really hundred percent sure you have it, and you're not kind of facing shortages or anything. Uh, if it's kind of key for your as a production uh, feedstock, for example, in, in your production. So you could have a local cavern or local storage system, like kind of to, to buffer the problem a little bit. But some some just clearly say after what they experienced with Russia now, uh, they want to have their own uh, hydrogen production. And they kind of actively accept that the price will be a little higher. Uh, as as the as the renewable energy price in Europe is higher uh, than the production of of renewable energy in other places in the world, so that that it's it's kind of a trade off, and and one of the trade off factors really to look at is is how critical is the hydrogen for your process, and and are you willing to pay a little bit more uh, and and get get it have it safely at hand so to say. That, that is one factor. And the other factor depends a little bit on how much hydrogen are you using. Uh, so how relevant is, is the price advantage uh, versus, versus your own production or you get it locally, so to say. Uh, we, we are talking to pretty some communities and, and local governments here in, in Europe, which want to have production facilities combined with a wind farm. Or with with solar panels on whatever government roofs or or uh, things like that, and have a production for their own fuel for the buses. 
They'll use the hydrogen for the community buses and have a kind of integrated circle system uh, production in the community uh, and, and then use the hydrogen for the buses or for other community vehicles, for example. Um, and, and there the price difference is not really relevant. Um, it's, it's more like having it at hand, um, using the locally produced energy, being independent, etc. So it uh, depends a little bit how price sensitive you are. Um, and, and the price, yes, as I said before, the price today is higher. But for very many users, that is not the critical factor. We, we have talked to pretty some users of hydrogen, which say, okay, we are under such pressure from public and from capital markets to decarbonize, to reduce our carbon footprint, uh, that they that they really say, okay, I'm I'm willing to pay a little bit more, but then I can I'm not paying CO2 prices for the CO2 certificates, which are relevant here in Europe. Um, so penalties, so to say, for producing CO2. Uh, so that's a trade-off, obviously. Um, and and it's it's a positive image factor. At this point in time, you're a front runner with green hydrogen, and you can actively market that and say, okay, whatever my transportation is done with this and this. Uh, or in this example, the, the European car manufacturers now have, have uh, Ask their, their steel producers to deliver XYZ percent of the production in, in green steel. So the steel producer has got no choice. Uh, the steel producer uh, is asked by car producer X, deliver me 10% of green steel 2024. So you can say yes or no in this situation. Uh, if you say no, you're not delivering to a very big client to yours anymore. Uh, that's that's an option you can choose uh, and a route you can go. For many, it's not an option. And and uh, one one of our uh, senior experts is owner of a steel factory, and he delivers to to a big uh, car car manufacturer. And the difference in the steel price for him is just a few euros per car. So it's it's also for the car producer not, not a big thing. They will kind of bring bring it up to the client and say, okay, the car is now a greener produced car, and and so so it's whatever fifty euros more expensive. So is that was that kind of helpful as a, as an answer? Yes, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh... I had some I had some questions. So first of all, thank you very uh, you know very very detailed presentation. So our firm does a lot of hydrogen development in the U.S. Um, I'm a bit curious because actually uh, I was also a, a researcher at Siemens AG in München a long time ago okay. in Entwurf's Atmatisierung at the time. But um, uh, I've also called them about their 17 meg uh, uh, PEM electrolyzers recently, and of oh. course I got no response because uh, they're you know I, I also called. Uh, um, the, the usual uh, like Tussenkopf, right? Who does uh, uh, alkaline electrolyzers, obviously, and uh, again, they're 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 a big mess. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I I actually yelled at them. I said, "You guys haven't innovated, you know." So, um, but anyway, uh, the, the the point is that electrolysis, right, is only one pathway to create hydrogen. We've looked at every pathway, right? We've we looked at the whole U.S. hydrogen chain end to end, from production through infrastructure, transport usage mm -hmm. and, uh, and and use cases, stationary, mobile, heavy duty, right, cars. We've looked at the whole lot. 
Okay. Um, so, um, so we are very, so as I've uh, pointed out in the chat, we have, um, so what we found, right, we, we develop projects, right, so we, um, uh, um, I'm, we're, we're, we're engineers, so we're very, we're, we're very deep in the space, engineers and bankers, so we look at both sides of it, which is what's the um, bankability pathway, uh, what's mm -hmm. the technical production pathway, um, and then what are the end markets, what are the prices we can get, um, so we, we've seen a lot of evolution. We're doing projects in Arkansas right now, as well as California. Um, mm -hmm. They're very interesting because those are very different markets. Uh, so California and New York, for instance, uh, because um, uh, you know they're blue states, there's a lot of state tax credits and everything else uh, and incentives, aside from all the federal stuff that's through BI, uh, through the um, Bipartisan Infrastructure Law and then the Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, which were game changers uh, in that space. Uh, we also do a lot of work on Native American reservations because as part of uh, Inflation Reduction Act and a lot of additional tax credits, uh, low-cost government loans, everything were, were added. Um, so then we've been able to tap into the resources they have in order to create bankability, right? So, this, so the challenge here isn't only technical, right? Uh, there's electrolyzer capacity, there's, uh, you know, there's, and, and, and I'd like to talk to you guys further about who the best electrolyzer manufacturers are because we're looking to get those costs down, right? Clearly the cost of electrolysis, uh, you know, as you pointed out, uh, that, um, uh, that, that, that transition, uh, the sooner it comes, the better. Uh, production capacity is obviously a constraint, so on and so on. But uh, electrolysis is only one pathway to create hydrogen. We found that actually it's not the most uh, economic pathway at this time, right? So it's one of the items in the portfolio. Uh, but actually what we found is um, uh, we've, we've uh, in, in California, for instance, right, one of the trends is that um, we were seeing wildfires in, in, in California, particularly, uh, which meant that the state of California has invested a lot of money in wildfire prevention with the utilities, right? Now, what that meant was that it created a lot of waste wood. Uh, what do you do with all this waste wood, right? Answer, gasified into hydrogen, right, and biochar. Uh, so we've uh, we've looked at technologies for that. The production cost is substantially cheaper than PEM electrolyzers. It uses almost zero real estate, uh, and we're taking three. Uh, we're taking one huge liability, and turning it into three assets. Right. So the, so so that's a pathway to create um, a very substantial bankability, uh, and we can um, uh, you know we can basically solve all of the uh, issues in that chain. So uh, essentially, I guess my my, my question to you is. Um, particularly for Europe, and again, I've, I've lived in Europe a long time. I've, uh, you know, I've, I was in Germany for three years. Um, so, the the question, and especially right now, is uh, let's say uh, electrolysis is one of the uh, pathways, right? But for Europe, probably not the most productive or the useful pathway. Um, so the so the question is, to what extent have you guys looked at other technologies, right? Um, there, you know, as you pointed out, there are so many ways to produce it. Hydrogen isn't everything. Um, so, um, what's your focus on electrolysis as opposed to the other technologies, and and particularly because you're in Europe, uh, would it make sense to look at uh, the other parts of the portfolio as well? Uh, yes, uh, I I try kind of not to overwhelm everybody with with 500 different te technology routes, uh, and and, uh, and and there are other routes. Uh, what what we see here in Europe is uh, and and the gasification of wood uh, is is not kind of really I mean if if it's wood from a wildfire which is there that that's a super smart idea sounds sounds excellent and and there there uh, will be kind of uh, yeah waste pieces from wood used in other cases and uh, that that are that are smart cases to to really use yeah used wood so to say or, or yeah, waste wood, put it that way, uh, for, for gasification. 
um, the electrolysis uh, is, is uh, uh, from the technical perspective, um, at least that's, that's our view, uh, pretty stable. And, and once the production units now, and, and you, you may know that, that, that more and more producers will now build up gigafactories here in Europe and some in Germany. Uh, and with those gigafactories, the pricing will come dramatically down. So, so that's uh, at, at today, you're right, uh, using electrolyzer technology is expensive. And, and so it's not the most efficient way. Uh, but but that's from our perspective is a very short kind of time frame uh, and until uh, the, the prices come down. Uh, we looked into pyrolysis, uh, which which could be cases in 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 some regions in the world. So that's kind of not for production here really really in in Germany, but uh, yeah closer to uh, yeah maybe uh, uh, the Arabian. Uh, uh, region or on Nevada or so pyrolysis could be a case, uh, but but technology is early. Um, so we we feel pretty comfortable with with the PEM electrolysis. Alkaline is is for some cases yes, but but less are so. Uh, but but the PEM electrolysis we believe uh, with the prices coming down very very quickly now, uh, with with the high numbers of installed base, um, that that's that's an efficient way to go. So, so we are fully aware of the other technologies, and then that's why we've got that research institute combined with us, and we've got the 25 engineers in the team, which really kind of do only hydrogen projects. Uh, so I, I guess we, we know mo most of them, I would say. I'm not claiming we know everything, uh, but, but for the time being, and with, with the European administrations, et cetera, uh, PEM seems to be a good way to go. Thank you. Uh, love to connect further and uh, talk in, yeah. in, in depth yeah, about would, would lots of great. things. Yeah. Absolutely. Super. Thank you. So I have also a further question uh, from my side. Uh, I've been in Singapore last week and uh, there was a discussion uh, that the Singaporean government uh, liked to uh, give some uh, further incentives for uh, going for, high, uh, for clean energy. As you know, Singapore is uh, the biggest hub in Asia for uh, changing uh, containers by ships. And uh, they will give a preference for those ships which are using hydrogen as, uh, as an engine. Uh, so this is uh, definitely then also a, a very uh, high incentive for uh, the, uh, the owners of the shipyards uh, that they modify the, their trainers uh, to hydrogen and say, okay, we use that one. Uh, otherwise, uh, it, it takes much more longer to uh, get, uh, get everything changed in Singapore. Is it something which you also track and where you see the biggest trends on that one? Is it helpful for you, plus decisions? Um, yes, and, and, and we clearly see that. The, the same is true also for cruise ships. Um, obviously, there for the for the users of the cruise ship, so to say, it's much nicer if there's no kind of dark dust coming out of, of the chimney. Uh, so, so hydrogen is a much nicer option there. Uh, but, but for the the uh, cruise ships are not permitted in all harbors anymore. Uh, if they're using like like heavy oil or whatever the name of the, the yeah it's heavy oil or whatever they crude oil I don't know what what they use there so if they use the the, the dirty stuff 
for example, in Norway, etc., they're not permitted to get into into the into the fjords anymore. Or in in uh, Venezia, they are not permitted to get get into into the harbor anymore. So there are there's more and more pressure coming up from there's too much pollution coming from the from the ship. So so uh, communities, cities, etc., harbors are not permitting them to come in if they're not using cleaner cleaner fuels. So and and this could be and this will not be hydrogen in the first step. This will be synthetic gas. Uh, MAN, a big producer of ship engines, is, is having already uh, engines in place which are in ships. So it's not the future; it's already there. Uh, you can order it, and and you can you can have it in a ship. Uh, and and especially the cruise ships, uh, the cruise ship industry is 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 clearly waiting for that, and and uh, will be will be an early user. Um, and and we learned from a big big cruise ship provider that that it's the the price difference uh, per per ticket so to say per user per week is is just just a minimal like fifty dollars. So using hydrogen or derivative versus using today's oil or, or yeah. So so fifty dollars more is not really something people would not pay. Uh, if they get a greener or, and cleaner ship use on their journey, so so that so the emotion of the user will obviously be a driver, and on the other hand, the uh, harbor authorities or port authorities or or local communities just not permitting somebody to come in, and that will be true for cruise ships as well as kind of uh, cargo ships. So in, in Singapore, I, I I heard from them. Uh, that they are having having some some in initiatives that are coming on, so yes, that's that's obviously very helpful, and and uh, it's not so difficult kind of to change from heavy oil uh, to to gas or uh, so so uh, yeah synthetic gas based on hydrogen. Uh, so technology wise, that's that's just easy thing to do, so to say. You can build the ship. Singapore, for example, is much more far away from what, what you're doing in Europe. But do you think that you can do out of Europe something which has an impact to Singapore, like MIN diesel or MIN or working with MIN? Um, yeah, I mean, there are not so many ships built in Europe at this point in time. So the, it, it's, it's a question of uh, once Singapore is changing legislation on this, saying, okay, this and this ships are not permitted in my harbor. Uh, then, then people have to change their behavior, and that means the technology in their ships. So, as as they will have to go into into Singapore for for certain certain kind of products, um, and 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 some some other ships might might go to Indonesia then, as it might be easier for for the time being to go to Indonesia. But it's it's much more difficult to get stuff out of Indonesia into other places in Asia. So Singapore is the hub, and 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 obviously, so what could be, uh, yeah, we, we uh, I haven't thought about that in detail, but but if you want to change the harbor in Singapore, uh, the technology, the landing site, etc., then obviously you need technology, and and some of that technology, uh, I would think even even a relevant part of that technology is already produced here in Europe. 
So once 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 the numbers are going up, once these businesses are scaling up, then then again we are talking about an interesting equity investment case here. And uh, those those companies are also currently a part, a part of that are in your funnel. Yes, as I said, I mean, uh, we are talking to to those ship engine providers, etc. And uh, if they have more units to kind of which are exactly. selling, then they need more. I, I made some tea for mom. Can you? It's in the kitchen. Oh, sorry, sorry, guys. <laughs> I'll have some tea too. I'm taking care of my entire house. They took care of me. Sorry, keep, keep going. <laughs> But Mark, it's good that you, it's good that, you, that your voice is uh, it's coming back uh, by drinking so much hot tea. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, 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 so right. the number, little, little the work from home Zoom Zoom moment there. Yeah. <laughs> so so the numbers in that product are um, much much smaller uh, so uh, than in the electrolyzer, but yes. Uh, the the ship engines and and shipping industry in general is an interesting market as as they are kind of really waiting for for changes to come as they know that rules and regulations will kind of make their business much more difficult. So, but number wise, the the the, the electrolyzer is is like the key component used in every every single case. And the, the the shipping engine, so to say, uh, which is kind of burning burning uh, synthetic gas, is is uh, a bigger but but uh, yeah, much less a units case. So, but absolutely exciting. And and if if uh, yeah, if if there is a connect to the harbor authority in Singapore, it would be exciting to talk with them. Like like they they need a lot of stuff to kind of to reorganize your harbor then, obviously. Karchin, I'd like to go back to the production of uh, hydrogen, if we can, for mm -hmm. a minute. Um, the, electro the electrolysis process is, mm -hmm. is, is, it is it now standardized where across the board, they are all manufactured in a similar fashion? And if yes, who set those standards? That's the first question. Second question is, do you anticipate that manufacturing process to continue to be the leading technology for manufacturing hydrogen? Um, mm -hmm. So, is, yeah. should I, uh, you know, yeah, should yeah, I answer absolutely. the question? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so, so uh, Marcel is a colleague of mine. He's a partner also in Senko and and he comes from from more from the technology side, so he's not one of the professors, but he's like in between me and the professors, so to say. So more and more knowledge here. <laughs> Thanks for the introduction. <laughs> Hi there, um, Adam. Regarding your question, um, I think as of today, there is no alternative for creating green hydrogen other than on electrolyzers. Uh, it's either a question if you take. Alkaline, uh, alkaline electrolyzers, or if you take uh, proton exchange electrolyzers, those are you know uh, the main uh, technology types to um, create green hydrogen out of renewable energy sources. Of course, there are other technologies, but they are they don't have the same technology readiness level compared to those both I mentioned uh, before. And if you ask. Uh, 
either scientists or you know industry experts all give the same answer. Electrolyzers based on those types, uh, on those both types, are proven since many decades on a small and mid level. Now they are scaling up. It's not a matter of developing a new technology. It's a matter of scale up, ramp up capacity. And for that, you need a lot of money, of course. First, you think of subsidies. Second, you think of debt. But the main shortage is equity. And uh, we believe that equity can help to ramp up um, the production capacities for the manufacturers, of course, of electrolyzers, but this is a, a big player's game, <laughs> so to say. It's the original equipment manufacturers who are taking that piece of the, of the cake. However, small and medium-sized enterprises need to ramp up in the same way to deliver those components. And those yeah. are, uh, they are not able to go to the capital markets and say, hey, I'm, you know, issuing a bond to to uh, refinance my, you know, uh, new production plan for building up electrolyzers. Those are family owned businesses. And they uh, sometimes have the money uh, on their hand. Sometimes they don't. And for those who can take an advantage out of hydrogen, but they don't have the money at hand to uh, invest into their own uh, medium-sized production capacity to deliver, for example, valves, tanks, com other components like compressors, pipes, whatever, you name it. Um, those have either the, the, the option to say hydrogen is a nice market, but I can't afford to step into it or they can go to another equity partner and say, hey, uh, let's partner up and together participate from the overall market ramp up. And we believe there are plenty of opportunities, especially in Germany, Austria, Central European countries, which are rich on technology, you know, uh, development and uh, especially those who have the technology skills on their, uh, yeah, how to say, how do you say, um, in their, in their company. Um, so, if you invest into a German medium-sized technology company, the likelihood is very high that the, those companies are exporting to Middle East, to Singapore harbors, to Chinese or Japanese companies, to American companies to make their 